Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompass me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for uh, the truth that is contained in it, uh, the beauty and the power. And uh, we ask now that your uh, Holy Spirit would uh, come to us and and speak to us, uh, be present uh, with us, and uh, just open up the the treasures uh, of your very word. Uh, In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so today brings to a close our look at uh, the Psalms, as we uh, were reminded earlier with that awesome glimpse of uh, just the readings from the different Psalms that we have looked at, and, and we've seen that uh, the, the gamut of emotions that we experience, um, you know, we, we've looked at through the Psalms, you know, how we're uh, to uh, assess these emotions and, and uh, in the light of what Scripture says, and specifically, you know, how Psalms present them, and we've seen that. Uh, the Psalms are kind of this uh, mosaic, the snapshot of, of life and, and the various emotions uh, that we do have as human beings. Well, something that's fundamental about uh, us, uh, that the very first chapter, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, uh, speaks of, is that we are made in God's image. Uh, we are made in his likeness. Uh, that is a, an amazing thought and amazing that there are certain ways in which we uh, are like God, certain ways that we resemble God. Uh, also certain ways that we are not uh, like God, uh, but uh, what an amazing thought there. Uh, therefore, our emotions stem from God himself and are framed uh, by his emotions. So this morning we are going to consider uh, emotions from the side of God, uh, so to speak, and look closely at one uh, particular emotion, uh, and that emotion is compassion. So three things that we are going to reflect on uh, this morning. The first is that God actively helps those in distress who call on him. The second is that God is both gracious and merciful. And the third is that God put on flesh to show us his compassion fully. So this psalm uh, this morning, Psalm 116, uh, is a thanksgiving psalm. Uh, and we've seen uh, over the summer that the psalms uh, fall into different uh, categories. Uh, there are psalms of praise. There are psalms of lament. 
there are penitential psalms. So we see how the different categories of the psalms uh, really associate with uh, the emotions that we do uh, experience in life. Uh, so Psalm 116, a Thanksgiving psalm and a psalm written uh, by David who uh, you know, wrote a lot of the other uh, psalms. Uh, so the first thing is that God actively helps those in distress who call on him. Uh, something about God that he reveals about himself in scripture is that God is personal. Uh, God is spirit, but he is not some uh, ethereal force uh, or some Greek-like God of mythology who uh, only shows up once in a while to, to wreak some havoc and, and demand appeasement you know, from, uh, from people, nor is he the God of deism. Uh, deism essentially says that God created the world, and then once he did so, really just you know, sat back and, and stands at a distance now and uh, doesn't really get involved with the affairs of the world and is somewhat indifferent you know, to what goes on. Rather, uh, God created all things, he has intimate knowledge of all things, and he cares for all things. Uh, and David in this psalm is, expresses his love uh, for the Lord for these things, and this love uh, that David expresses for the Lord is rooted in God's uh, own love for him. Uh, in verse 2, David writes, because he inclined his ear to me. God is majestic. God possesses all power, all knowledge, uh, all greatness, and does not need anything uh, from us to make himself greater or to sustain himself in any way. Yet he condescends to us in hearing our prayers for deliverance and meeting our deepest needs. And it's this condescension that theologians over the centuries have unpacked. And, and normally, when we use the word condescend, I think it's almost exclusively used in a, a negative sense. Uh, but when we speak of God condescending to us, uh, it is a most positive thing because God stoops to our level and uh, rescues us where we are. Uh, and David in the psalm is remembering a time in the past when God had compassion on him. Uh, in that very same verse, David also writes, I will call on him. So by doing this, by saying this, David is, is resolving to place his whole trust in God. Uh, David is expressing uh, the utmost confidence uh, that God will come to his rescue again, uh, just as God came to his rescue before. And David here was experiencing a great anguish. Uh, we don't know exactly uh, what it was that David was going through, uh, when he penned this psalm, uh, maybe it was some kind of, of sickness, uh, perhaps something else, but whatever the case was, uh, David felt that death was imminent. Uh, he uses the words death and sheol, uh, as you can see uh, in verse 3. And, and so when these words were used in Old Testament poetry, uh, they were very intense words. Uh, you know, one did not write these words uh, lightly or haphazardly. Uh, you almost uh, see the image of David, you know, lying on the ground above a grave and, and ropes, you know, coming up from the grave, tied to his arms and tied to his legs, you know, seeking to, to pull David down into the grave. Uh, you know, that, that's the depth of, of David's anguish here, uh, whatever he was going through. But David knew of no other way uh, but to call on God's name to save him and to bring relief uh, to his soul, not only physically, uh, whatever he was going through, uh, but also spiritually, you know, to, to save himself, you know, from, from himself, uh, you know, from, from his own sin. 
And we cannot miss here uh, the importance of the words, the name of the Lord. Uh, David writes uh, not just once, but three times uh, this uh, phrase, the name of the Lord. Uh, you can see also in verses 13 and verses 17, uh, you know, we come to worship. We come to worship God's very name. And there is great power in calling on the name of the Lord and praying in the name of the Lord. Uh, you know, it's not just words that we you know, tag on you know, to our prayer uh, in some kind of formal way, but there is truly you know, power uh, as we use uh, the very name of the Lord and call upon him uh, in that way. Uh, the second thing, uh, that God is both gracious and merciful. Uh, you can see in, in verse 5, uh, David writes of these things. Uh, the grace of God, you know, that, that word grace is uh, a word I think sometimes used uh, so commonly that, that maybe the, the weight of the word is lost on us, uh, the significance of a word that, that we use you know, so much of the time. Uh, but grace is a, is a beautiful word, and uh, the meaning is beautiful. Uh, we are saved by grace. We are transformed by grace. We are carried along by grace, and we walk daily by grace. Uh, and, and God's grace essentially is his unconditional kindness you know, to us, uh, you know, demonstrated to us in so many ways, um, ways that are visible to us and, 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 and ways that, that really are invisible to us. Uh, God is a God of grace. Uh, God has been gracious since the dawn of creation. From all eternity, really, God's grace is inherent uh, to his character. God is merciful. Uh, God's mercy goes hand in hand you know, with his grace, uh, essentially it is his withholding uh, from us what we deserve because we stand as sinners before, before God, and God is holy, uh, God is perfect. We saw in Psalm 51 that David ex uh, cries this prayer really of, of so few words. Uh, it's the prayer of, have mercy on me, O God. Perhaps, uh, you know, we can uh, attest to the power of this, sometimes just a, a short, you know, simple prayer uh, is the most powerful kind of prayer. Uh, and when David prayed these words, and, and when we pray these words, have mercy on me, God will respond with kindness and with help uh, for our troubled souls. Uh, in, in the first part of verse 6, David uh, says that the Lord preserves the simple. Uh, this word simple here, uh, the context of it, seems to be uh, taken from a Proverbs or seen in Proverbs in a word that describes those who uh, stumble along in, in weakness and, and, and really you need constant uh, intervention and rescue from themselves. I think we look at ourselves and we like to think, you know, we're always buttoned up and, and uh, you know, put together and, and such. But, you know, honestly, if we, if we look at ourselves, you know, we confess that we are ones who trip over ourselves and at times need constant help uh, and intervention. So David is reminding us, you know, thinking about that very thing, how humbling it is uh, to be who we are, um, yet still experience the preservation of God. And I think the, uh, the metaphor of young children and, and their parents, you know, serves to illustrate this very thing. You know, think of a, a young child uh, up to a certain age, you know, he or she is, is completely unable uh, to, to take care of himself or herself. The child needs you know, constant supervision, constant intervention, constant help, uh, you know, constant care 
And so that's the, that's the very, uh, you know, comparison that we can think of as God, uh, you know, is a father, you know, to us, uh, his children, and uh, preserves us in that way. In that very same verse, verse 6, uh, David also says, when I was brought low, he saved me. Uh, God is compassionate to us uh, in our lowest, in our weakest, uh, in our darkest times. Uh, he rescues us when we call out to him. Now, we may feel in a, in a candid moment that uh, God is at a, at a distance or doesn't care. Uh, you know, when we are going through some trial or, or suffering, that just it doesn't feel like it can get any worse or we just don't even know, uh, you know, how to express uh, the despair that we have. Uh, but David is, is comforting us and encouraging us, you know, with the truth that God does care. And he vouches for that very thing. Um, and so even though we feel God is not responding to us, you know, in our timetable or according to our ways. And, and I think that's sometimes the, the issue is that, you know, we want that instant, that instant rescue, that instant help. Uh, well, God knows what's best for us, and he knows uh, the exact, uh, you know, best way uh, to meet our needs. So we think of compassion, and uh, perhaps at times compassion, you know, seems abstract, or, or maybe other times the, the full idea of compassion uh, gets shortchanged when we think of examples like, you know, holding the door open for someone or, uh, you know, helping a, an, an elderly lady with her groceries. Um, you know, certainly there's nothing wrong with these kinds of things, and we should, uh, you know, do kinds, acts of kindness like this. Uh, but when we think of compassion, uh, you know, I believe compassion, uh, you know, goes deeper uh, than that. Uh, yeah, I confess that I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to words, and, you know, i I like studying words and, and the meaning of words and that kind of thing. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a big stack of vocabulary words that uh, I needed to memorize. I think it was for the SATs or something like that. And, and I remember thoroughly enjoying you know, going through that stack of, of vocabulary words and, and uh, you know, memorizing the definition. And to this day, there are still a good number of words in there that I still uh, recall uh, you know, from, from those high school days. Uh, so. Uh, a dictionary definition of compassion, um, you know, from the Merriam-Webster dictionary, uh, says this: uh, it's a feeling of wanting to help someone who is sick, hungry, in trouble, uh, etc. So I went even further than that, and uh, in terms of the etymology, you know, the origin of of our English word compassion, uh, it goes back centuries and is taken from the Latin compati which uh, essentially is to, to sympathize. Uh, and then when you drill down even you know, more, breaking that, that word apart, to bear and to suffer uh, you know, come into play as far as uh, you know, the, the essence uh, of the word compassion. Well, ultimately, uh, we turn to Scripture uh, to give us the grandest meaning, the grandest picture of compassion. Uh, which brings us to our, our third thing uh, for this morning, and that God put on flesh to show us his compassion fully. The narrative of Scripture centers on Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who was born miraculously by the Holy Spirit to the Virgin Mary, as we were reminded of in our reading of the Apostles' Creed earlier. Uh, he walked the earth for over 30 years as a man, so he could identify with us, fully human, during his earthly ministry, the New Testament accounts uh, show Jesus, the God-man, uh, demonstrating compassion time again 
uh, to the poor, the needy, the sick, the outcast, uh, loving them by healing them physically, but also spiritually. Think of the man born blind in John 9, the woman who had the flow of blood for 12 years, the paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof by his friends, the centurion and his sick daughter, Zacchaeus uh, up in the tree, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, uh, Lazarus, uh, Mary, and Martha, uh, the widow of Nain and her dead son in Luke 7. Uh, Certainly we could go on and on uh, with this list. And uh, even John, the apostle, writes in his gospel at at the end of the book that there's not enough pages in the world to contain everything that Jesus did during his earthly ministry. And Jesus was led to the cross, where at Calvary, the compassion of God was displayed to the ultimate degree. Jesus was beaten and bloodied and died with the weight of the world's sin upon him. And Jesus did this for those of us, as Romans 5.10 says, who were his enemies. It was at the cross where God's grace, his mercy, and his righteousness met and shone forth. It was through Christ's perfect life, his death, and his resurrection that God did not merely make salvation possible, but he accomplished salvation. And by faith in Christ, by turning to Christ, we can be saved from sin and from death. David writes in verse 7 of of Psalm 116 that uh, the Lord has dealt bountifully with us. Uh, The gospel uh, is truly good news. Uh, That's what the word gospel means. It it means good news. Uh, And it's truly good news because of of God's bounty to us as undeserving sinners. And David here in this psalm offers to the Lord thanksgiving in response to God's compassion and provision for him. Uh, Well, friends, do we respond to to God's compassion uh, by showing compassion to others, even our enemies, as Christ did for us? Uh, even those who are hostile to us, even those who, uh, you know, in some way uh, make fun of us, uh, you know, f- because we are followers of Christ. Uh, you know, persecution uh, certainly uh, uh, takes different forms and does not have to be uh, physical always. Uh, do we bring delight to the Lord by offering kindness you know, to others who are truly in need? Uh, you know, I look at my own life and, you know, recognize that, you know, I fall desperately, you know, short in doing this. There's a, a beautiful story in 2 Samuel 9 that uh, illustrates, uh, you know, compassion. Uh, in 2 Samuel 9, uh, David had already ascended to the throne, and uh, Saul, his adversary for so much of his life, had died. And, and David asks a question, and he asks, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of, of God to? Uh, so he, he calls uh, one of Saul's servants and, and says, is there anyone that I can you know, show kindness uh, in this way, too. And Saul's servant says, well, there is a son of Jonathan who was a good friend of David, as we see in Scripture, uh, named Mephibosheth. Um, but Mephibosheth, you know, it was crippled in both of his feet. And David, probably without blinking, says, well, bring this man before me. So Saul's servant, you know, sends for Mephibosheth, and uh, Mephibosheth comes before David and, you know, even though he is lame in both feet, you know, bows before him, uh, you know, showing him the, the humility and respect, you know, for David as the king. And, and David says, Mephibosheth, uh, I'm going to uh, essentially restore 
uh, Saul's estate to you, you know, give, give you all this land that, that had belonged to Saul, and you shall you know, reap of the fruits of this land, of the vineyards, and, and everything that is contained in it. And Mephibosheth uh, responds to you know, th- th- this offer of David um, basically by saying, you know, why should you show such kindness you know, to me, a dead dog? Uh, you know, Mephibosheth you know, sees himself in that way. Um, those words are, are, very, are found in Scripture. Uh, and he sees himself as a dead dog. He just sees himself as, as worthless and not deserving of this kind of, uh, of compassion. And not only that, but, but David the king says to Mephibosheth, uh, you are invited to eat at my table uh, now and always. What an incredible picture you know, this story is of God's compassion uh, to us, where Christ the king invites us spiritually crippled, uh, broken by the fall, wrecked by sin, to be forgiven of our sins and to eat at his table, not only now, but forevermore. And a mark of compassion that we see here with this story of David and Mephibosheth is that compassion in its richest form is kindness shown to those who, who cannot pay us back or who really have nothing of substance you know, to offer. Uh, Paul Miller, uh, in his book, Love Walked Among Us, uh, points out in a, a simple but profound way that, that during his earthly ministry, Jesus uh, would, would look at people and have compassion on them. And Miller you know, talks about this looking that Jesus did, um, not just in some you know, physical, reactive kind of, of way, but by doing this, Jesus was aiming his gaze uh, 100% at these individuals that he ministered to, uh, treating them with the dignity of being created in God's very image. Uh, Miller writes further uh, about this, uh, describing uh, the widow of Nain and uh, you know, the funeral for her son that uh, we see in Luke 7. Uh, Miller writes, quote, compassion is the emotion most frequently attributed to Jesus. How can you tell that a person feels compassion? What did people see on Jesus' features in this scene? After all, compassion is quite subtle compared to anger or fear. When I ask people what compassion looks like, they say it's communicated through a person's eyes. They are soft and tender, attentive, concerned. The entire body pauses and listens, absorbing the feelings of another. Perhaps Jesus stops mid-sentence and becomes quiet, transfixed as he looks at the widow. Or maybe his eyes moisten and a tear rolls down his cheek. Whatever his reaction, it is noticeable despite the commotion and distraction of hundreds of milling people. Quite the picture there. And later in that same chapter, Paul Miller uh, writes that Jesus possesses both the tenderness and the power and the authority that he has uh, as Lord. I think sometimes we just need to uh, turn away from ourselves and to truly look at others. Uh, Certainly we are to, to care for ourselves and there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, but sometimes uh, we get so wrapped up in ourselves and, and the, the things that, that we need to do and we need to take care of that uh, we don't look at people the way that Jesus did. You know, we, we look through them, we, we look past them, but not, but not at them and to have compassion on them. Ultimately, we look no further than to Jesus himself uh, for the fullest embodiment of compassion, what he did for us in his life, 
in his death and in his resurrection and what he does for us uh, even now and how all this magnifies God's glory. Uh, Friends, this depth of compassion is the very heart of God. Let's pray.